Well, hello, everyone. Good to see you today. Um, and uh, those of you joining online, glad you're here with us. Um, I'm Scott, if you don't know me, one of the pastors here, and it's always a privilege to get to bring God's word to you. Um, we are today wrapping up this four-week series on hearing God. And in the past few weeks, we've looked at uh, some guardrails that help us hear what God might want to say to us. We've considered how scripture is a way that God speaks to us. And uh, last week, we talked about how uh, community is one of those places where uh, God can speak to us in a special way. So I encourage you, if you get a chance, to go back, if you didn't didn't hear those sermons, to hear them. But today, uh, we are looking at a really big idea. Uh, Actually, this whole series has been this really big idea that God is personal, and he wants to speak to you. To you, the God of the universe wants to speak words to you. That is an amazing thing. And over the course of of this series, we've heard from so many of you about how uh, this is is really touching your heart. And um, we want you to know, as Cheryl reminded us last last week, that you are prayed for. Uh, Even before you step foot in this room or before you click uh, play on your computer or or TV, um, You are prayed for. People are thinking about you and hoping that you will hear a word from God. Okay, today as we get started, I've got a question for you. If I were to ask you when you are most interested or intent on hearing and listening to God, what would you say? When are you most intent? When are you most eager to hear from God? Is it when everything's going well? Probably not. For many of us, we get real interested in listening to Jesus when we're facing some big questions in our lives. Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Should I move? Should I quit? Should I start? Which college should I attend? Should I make this big purchase? Which treatment should I take? Anybody feeling stressed out yet? Just asking those questions makes my heart run a little faster. The truth is we all need answers, and we look to God hoping that God will give us the thumbs up or the thumbs down, and with that divine approval, we can walk into our future without anxiety. We can walk confidently. And if that's how you feel uh, today, you're not alone. Um, I find that for me, my eagerness to listen to God ramps up really high when I'm facing something big or challenging in my life. But what does God think about all this? And today, we're going to look at how God might speak to us about the decisions in our lives and about the future we face and how we get guidance from our God. So we're going to look at this text. It's probably familiar to many of you. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And we're going to frame our thoughts about how God guides us in this proverb. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Now we're going to come back to the first part of this passage, but I want to look at this last line about straight paths. What is God actually promising here? What does straight paths really look like? And as I've thought about this, um, 
I just, I would look at my life and I don't think I would characterize it as a journey on a straight path. I've had ups and downs and there's been times when I even felt like maybe I was going backward. Uh, and uh, and maybe, uh, maybe there's moments when I wondered if I was on any path at all. Anyone relate to that? Well, it helped me to consider a little bit the history of God's people as they escaped from captivity in Egypt. And some of you may be familiar with this story, but God's people were held as slaves in Egypt, and uh, Moses, through God's power, uh, had some plagues come, and finally, after the plagues, the Pharaoh relents and says, okay, they can go. I want them out of here. Now, the problem was Israel didn't know where to go. So what did God give them? How did God guide them? Some of you will know. A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Here's how it says it in Exodus. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. It's a very interesting passage because the route that God chooses for Israel to get out of Egypt is not the straight route. It's not the shortest way. In fact, God seems to be leading them in a route that seems impossible, a route that requires a crossing of a sea. Can you imagine what these people are thinking at this point? God, what happened to that straight path, that road? What's going on here? Um, Why are we going this way? Well, God knew exactly what he was doing. He took them on a route that was best for them. He knew them so well that he understood the limits of their faith and trust. If they encountered too much adversity, he knew that they would cry out and go want to go back to Egypt where they had pots of meat. And he knows you too. And his path for you might not look very straight right now, but that doesn't mean that he's not leading you where you need to go or that he's abandoned you. Commentator uh, Matthew Henry writes, those that put themselves under a divine guidance shall always have the benefit of it. Those that faithfully follow the pillar of cloud and the fire shall find that though it may lead them about, It leads them the right way, and it will bring them to Canaan at last. The paths of life on which the Lord leads us often seem winding and bumpy. And yet, from God's perspective, which is the most important perspective here, these paths are straight and smooth, taking us exactly where we need to go, where he wants us to go. So a straight path in this context doesn't mean easy, simple, pain-free, or in fact, even straight. Israel went around in all kinds of circles while they followed the pillar of fire and cloud, but when the time was right, they entered into the promised land. Straight simply means the way you should go, the way God intends. So, That's what the straight way is. Let's go back to our proverb and continue on here. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart 
Here's the question. Do I really believe that God is for me? Do I believe that God's ways are best? Do I trust the actual God or the God of my imagination? You know, sometimes when we're seeking guidance from God, we treat him like the magical eight ball. You guys remember the magical eight ball? Um, Some of you older folks may know that one. Uh, You shake the ball up and then this uh, answer will rise to the top. If you you ask a question and there will be your answer. And uh, it wasn't terribly helpful, but it was, it was at least an answer, right? My wife has this story uh, that I love. She says when she was a little girl, she would lay in her bed and she would ask questions of God. And then she would imagine um, this giant stoplight in the clouds uh, with a red, a yellow, or a green. And she would ask her question and wait for God to light up one of those lights on the stoplight. Maybe you have a similar thing, but here's the point. God wants to be more than an answer machine that we use to reduce our anxiety. God wants to be more than an answer machine that we use to reduce our anxiety. God wants a relationship with you. He wants your attention and allegiance, and any guidance we receive comes out of that relationship. And as we know, relationships require trust. And trust takes time. But if you want guidance from God, it will come out of that trusting relationship. And trust gets built one moment at a time as you surrender more and more of your life over to God and experience God's faithfulness in those moments. And it usually starts with small things. But if we're conversing with God in those small things, we're more likely to hear him in the big ones. One benefit of getting older uh, is that I have more data. God has seen me through some challenges in my life, big and small. And I haven't always known why my road goes this way or that way, but I do know that God over time has proved himself trustworthy through his provision and his presence. When you know someone well, you can often predict what they'll say. You know how that goes? The more you know and trust Jesus, the more his words will flow to you and his words will ring in your ears. Dallas Willard says this, what we want, what we think, what we decide to do when the word of God does not come or when we have so immersed ourselves in him that his voice within us is not held in distinction from our own thoughts and perceptions, these show who we are. Either we are God's mature children, friends and coworkers, or we're something less. If we know and trust God, his voice may be so familiar to us that it's hard to distinguish from our own. And that's what we're after. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart. And his voice will be familiar to you. Okay, continuing in the proverb, lean not on your own understanding. What we want and our ability to justify it is very strong. We think we know what is best, right? We think we know what makes the most sense, but we're so limited in what we can see. Have you ever been convinced that you were right about something? 
maybe nobody in here, but maybe other places you've experienced that where people feel really convinced that they are right about something. Like maybe the 49ers are the best team in football. Like we might be convinced that that is true. Um, Of course, there might be others who think uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, are the greatest team in football. How could that be? How could two intelligent people have very different opinions and thoughts about what is right? You might even get into an argument about that. Heaven forbid. This happens because, for the most part, our perception is colored by any number of factors, all of which are subject to sin and selfishness. Sin seeps into our perceptions and our motives in ways that are invisible to us. We don't even see it. We just live in it. It's by nature that I want what I want, not what God wants. Jeremiah says it like this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? This is a bad verse to quote to somebody else when you're in an argument, I would say. But it's there. So that means we shouldn't put too much weight on our understanding because it's flawed. And what it means is, if we're approaching a question, we do it with humility. If we want to hear from God, humility is required. We have to understand and acknowledge that we are dependent creatures in the care of a benevolent God. And that's why hearing God is not really about God telling you what to do. It's about a life of following God and learning and growing together. It's a life of dependence. Humility and dependence are so important here. But our hearts and our minds will fight it. We don't like to be dependent. Just tell me what to do, Lord, and then I can get on with it. I can make it happen. I can do it on my own. If you've ever lived with a toddler you know they want to do it. I do it. My son Cole got his driver's license this fall. It was glorious. Um, I'm the designated uh, driving teacher because my wife exceeds her blood pressure limits when she's in a car with a novice driver, especially one that is her child. Um, And I could tell... uh, you know, we spent months driving around and practicing, and I could tell as we got closer to the test, Cole's patience was wearing very thin. Enough with the lessons. I'm ready. He couldn't wait to get his license. Why? Because he was free. Do you remember that moment? No more awkward rides from mom and dad. I'm free. We all have this streak in us, and it shows up when we come to God. It colors what we hear from God, and it's often why we're disappointed. If we want guidance from God, we need to approach with humility and a healthy skepticism of our own motives. But the good news is that if we do that, if we do that, God will meet us. We read in James, come near to God and he will come near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. All right, let's keep going in our proverb. In all your ways, submit to him. To submit. Some versions have to acknowledge. 
but it means that I surrender my will and my life over to the care of Jesus, knowing that everything I have comes from him. He is the Lord of my life. I hold everything else loosely in my life. And Jesus shows us what this looks like when he's praying to his father before he goes to the cross for us. In Matthew, he says this, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus acknowledges his desire, but surrenders it to the will of his father. He doesn't hide his hopes or his fear, but he trusts that God's way is the best way. And that prayer of surrender is the prayer that God can use. It gives him room in your heart to work. The great Jesuit priest Ignatius of Loyola offers some insight into developing this kind of of attitude, of letting go. He says the key is to hold everything in our life loosely and become indifferent so that we can focus on following the way of Jesus. He says this in the spiritual exercises. We must make ourselves indifferent to all created things as far as we are allowed. Consequently, we should not prefer health to sickness, riches to poverty, honor to dishonor, a long life to a short life. The same holds for all other things. Our one desire and choice should be what is more conducive for the end, to the end for which we were created. What is more conducive to the end for which we were created? What does God want to do in my life? I want to surrender all of it to him. And it's not easy, but if we practice indifference and submit ourselves to the will of our creator, we're more likely to hear his guidance in our life. So this proverb, hold on to that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, we've been in this series offering some really practical tips. We want this to be something that you can walk away with and say, okay, here's, here's what will help me to listen to God. So I have some tips here for you. And uh, we'll start with the first one. Number one, ask. God wants to hear from you. Ask God for guidance. Ask God your questions. Don't be bashful but don't necessarily expect an instant answer. Here's the interesting thing. When I ask a question, I am by definition increasing my awareness of that issue in my life. I've asked the question. I know I've asked the question. So now I'm listening. Now I'm wondering. My heart and my mind get open and it might take a day, a week, a moment, a year. But ask that question. God wants you to ask him. Second thing, create some space and make time. We've talked about this through the entire series. If we want to hear from God, we have to deal with the noise and distractions in our lives. And silence and solitude dramatically increase your chance that you're going to hear something from God. Now, for some, um, sitting quietly may be actually um, harder than doing a, some, a, a simple task. Sometimes we hear better like for walking or gardening, or doing something that occupies our hands so that our mind is free. 
Whatever it, whatever it is, whatever works for you, create space in your life. Create space for God to speak his word to you. Number three, spend time in scripture. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, how powerfully God speaks in his word. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. It will show us the way forward. The Bible's objective wisdom is clear on many, many points. And a lot of our questions that we come to God with might be answered, could be answered, will be answered with a thoughtful look at the scripture. Again, uh, Dallas Willard. It cannot be stressed too much that the permanent address at which the word of God may be found is the Bible. More of God speaking to me has come in conjunction with study and teaching of the Bible than anything else. And I would say that's true for me too. I know that when I pray for guidance, that answer often comes to me in the form of a text of scripture or a phrase of scripture that comes to my mind or that somebody reminds me of or that I see in my reading or listening. So spend time in scripture. Number four, ask your friends and other believers to pray with you. We, we mentioned this last week, the power of community can amplify God's word to you. It reminds me of you know, the giant radio telescope at the Stanford Dish, right? It takes, it takes those radio waves and focuses them down to a point and, and community can be like that for hearing God. I, the community can hear, their ears are attuned and, and there needs to be thoughtfulness around how this happens. And we talked about that last week about ways to do that in your small group, but don't forget the community. It's a way to draw our, our, our uh, lives together in a powerful way. It also requires humility to let somebody know you have that question. So it's a great posture. Number five, don't panic if you don't hear anything. Don't panic if you don't hear anything. Maybe God just trusts you with the decision. Now, I'm a bit of a, a, I'm a, bit of a perfectionist about certain things, other things not so much. But mostly I am that way because I want to avoid getting in trouble or doing something wrong. That's not a bad thing for most, most times, especially when right and wrong are really clear. But when it's just choices, it can be paralyzing. You know, what kind of cereal should I buy for my kids? There's like a thousand kinds, God. I don't know which one to get. Get the right one. You know, does God care if I take this job or that one? Maybe, but maybe God cares more about how I show up in that job. Another of my favorite Willard quotes, uh, the main thing God gets out of your life is not the achievements you accomplish, it's the person you become. And the person you're becoming comes through making choices and exercising agency and living in the consequences of those decisions and actions. And make no mistake, God will be with you, encouraging and strengthening and at times rebuking or maybe simply letting us learn from our consequences, like a good parent. Willard again, in general, 
It's God's will that we ourselves should have a great part in determining our path through life. This does not mean that God is not with us, far from it. God both develops and for our good tests our character by leaving us to decide. Maybe he trusts you. And maybe he wants to make this an adventure where you learn together how to become more of the person that he wants you to become. Maybe it's not about following the exact perfect plan and not messing it up. But it's about following the person that loves you and knows you and died for you. And here's the thing. Nothing can thwart God's plan. So if you're way outside of the plan, trust me, you can count on some kind of correction. It will come. And if God remains silent, you may want to consider just asking him, Lord, is there something in me? Is there something I'm doing? Is there something that's preventing me? I want to know it. But God doesn't mess with our minds. As Dallas Willard says again, I don't believe God messes with our minds. He's not mean. If he has something to say to me, he will say it. So if God is silent, don't panic. He may just be trusting you to do what's right. Last one, number six. Remember that God is a good parent who wants to give you what you ask for. Matthew 7 says this. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, give, give good gifts to you who ask him? That's the heart of God. A good gift, not one that's going to hurt you. But he wants to be the giver of good gifts. And that includes his sovereign guidance in your life and mine. And that's really good news. And we can count on it. Now, as we close today, um, we've, we've kind of been doing a little exercise here. We're going to practice this. We're going to practice what we preach. It's kind of fun to say that and actually do it. Um, we're going to do that today. And so I'm going to invite you to... Um, to just sit comfortably, kind of take a posture of receptivity and take a deep breath maybe. And I'm going to lead us through a little guided prayer time, okay? Take a deep breath. And let's begin by just offering up to God a place where you need some guidance today. Maybe it's a decision concern, fear, whatever it is, just, just let God know about it. So God wants to hear from us. And now we want to listen a little bit through some scripture. So I'm going to just read some scripture passages. And I just invite you to just open your ears. No pressure, but listen. Maybe God has a word for you in these passages. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. 
Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray together. Lord, you have heard our concerns and you know where we need guidance from you today. And we invite you to speak into our hearts through your word, through other followers and friends and believers, through articles or books that we might read or podcasts or programs we might listen to. Lead us in whatever way you see fit, Lord. Help us to pay attention and create space. Show us if there's anything that we need to address to hear you better. Help us to be indifferent to anything but your will for us. Thanks for our time and worship today. Our future's in your hands. We love you. We surrender to you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.